going to continue. I shared a word about two weeks ago or three weeks ago or so. Um, and I want to continue this word, um, hopefully conclude it today, but um, depends on the time. We'll see how the Lord, how the Lord does. Um, the title of this word is called Adjusting for God's Kingdom. Um, I want to do, let's just pray and then we'll get into this word. Just agree me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege and for the honor that we have for spending time with you in your presence. Lord, I pray, oh God, that Lord, even as we are here this morning in our respective homes and wherever we are logged in, that Lord, that you would just speak to us, that Lord, you would draw us closer to you, that Lord, that you will help us concerning this word to adjust our will according to your will. Help us, oh God, to connect with you in a way, oh God, that draws us closer to you. And we pray that, Lord, that you will use me to cause your people, oh God, and each and every one of us, oh God, to understand you more and to understand more about your kingdom and the areas of our lives that we need to adjust. So we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so adjusting for God's kingdom. <coughs> so bear with me. I have a little bit of a cough, so if I cough from time to time, please just bear with me. I've got my water here just to help me out. All right, so just by way of recap. Um, adjusting to God's kingdom, <coughs> we're speaking about change, we're speaking about adapting, and at times, things in life happen whereby you have no choice but to adjust and change to things around you. And what I mentioned when I spoke about this word before was that if there's any change in life that we need to make sure that we make is to learn to change or adjust our lives to live according to God's will. will. We looked at a scripture in Matthew 9, um, verse 16 to 17, which I'll very quickly read. It says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, but the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the new skins, so the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, this scripture is simply saying that the Holy Spirit working in tandem with God's will represents the new wine in that scripture. And we are the new wineskins. But in order for us to receive God's will, which is the new wine, as led by the Holy Spirit, is saying that we need to be that new wine, that new wineskin rather than the old wineskin so that God can speak into our lives. In other words, we are to change our will to fit with the will of God. You know, one of the most powerful things in this life, and I mentioned this before, is a person's will. People would decide to do what they want to do. You would decide to do what you want to do. And it's your will that determines whether you are going to have a relationship with God or not. It's your will that's going to decide whether you're going to put God and the things of his kingdom first or not. And one of the questions that I asked when I met before, when we spoke before was what areas of your life has the Lord been highlighting for you to change in order to fit with God's will? Are you making decisions based on your will? Or are you making decisions in your life based on God's will? Sounds a bit cliche, but these are significant questions that as children of God, we have to answer. Because as we live our lives and we make decisions, we're either doing things based on what we want to do 
or we're doing things based on other things, or we're doing things based on what we believe that God is telling us to do. We looked at the scripture in Luke chapter 5. This was uh, uh, the story about Jesus and the disciples. When Jesus was showing the disciples who were um, fishermen by profession, um, you know, before Jesus met the disciples, um, a number of them were fishermen. That was their job. Uh, and we'll read the scripture uh, again in, in a minute. But the scripture basically was give, gives an example of how the disciples chose to invite Jesus into their lives in such a way whereby Jesus came into their lives and Jesus came into their boat because obviously when they fished, they went out on their boat, they fished, they got their fish, etc. But the scripture, and we'll look at it later on, talks about the disciples inviting Jesus onto their boat and their boat represented their lives. And as they did so, there was a transformation that took place. Now, it is the responsibility of every single one of us to ask the Lord to intervene in our lives, especially the areas of our lives where there's struggle. And it's now we all need to be ready to receive uh, the truth about ourselves, regardless of the package or the method through which that truth is communicated. Now, I'm talking about truths that are difficult to receive. You know, there are many things about us in our, in our lives at times uh, that are difficult to hear, but we need to hear truth about our lives. And the Bible says that it's the truth that gives us freedom, it sets us free. But sometimes when God wants to speak to us about our lives and about truth in our lives, he may do so in a way, or he may use somebody in, in, in a, uh, that maybe that you have difficulty receiving that information from. But the key is to make sure that any time God is speaking to us about our lives, that we look beyond the package, we look beyond whoever's communicating that thing to us, and we embrace the truth that God has for us. Because as we receive that truth about our lives, God will use that information to, be, to bring deliverance and freedom into our lives. You know, I remember I, I, I spoke to someone um, months back and they were having some challenges in, in their marriage. And they mentioned to me that they spoke to somebody. Um, and this person, I guess, there was a... They were, they were able to kind of uh, receive or to uh, have insight into the person's situation. But the person spoke to them about their character and about how this element of their character impacts on their marriage. And when this person heard this, the person just went, he, and told me that they went quiet. And they went quiet because what the person said to them was absolute truth. He spoke to them about a particular character trait that they have that has not been helpful in their marriage. And as soon as that person heard this, they knew it was the truth, but they just weren't ready to hear it. They weren't ready to receive it. So they just withdrew. They went away. They um, didn't speak to the person for a while. They just kept to themselves. But lo and behold, during that time, God was doing the work in, in the person to such an extent that over time, that person began to realize that, listen, what, they, what was said to, to them was truth. And over time, they began to recognize and face the truth head on and began to receive healing for that situation. And my prayer is this for all of you that are listening uh, this morning, 
that you may also receive your healing and whatever that may be as you allow those around you led by the holy spirit to communicate truth to you it's so important that we hear truth truth comes from <coughs> comes from god the lord will begin to communicate truth to us in our lives as we allow the holy spirit to to uh, i guess to communicate to us and to speak to us in whatever way that he desires but let's not be somebody who only wants to hear things if it's packaged in a certain way. Because if that's the case, you will miss out on the truth that God has in store for you. So I encourage you to open up your spirit, open up yourself to hear whatever God has in store. And whatever truth that God has for you, allow that truth to deliver you and set you free. Okay, so let's go back to this uh, story um, in Luke chapter 5 with regards to um, the disciples and, and uh, them inviting Jesus onto their boat. Now the, the scripture explains, and I mentioned this before, that the disciples, including Peter, they fished all night, they caught nothing. But when they uh, enrolled Jesus and they told Jesus to come on board their boat, and then Jesus began to just speak to them about how they should fish. The Bible says that they caught more than they can ever imagine. Let me just quickly read it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 7 says, One day Jesus was standing by the, the lake of, of Gensarat. The people, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught a large number of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled their boats. So, so full that the boats began to sink. Now, the interesting thing about the scripture when I read before is what uh, Simon Peter said to Jesus. Jesus gave an instruction, told him to put out into the water. Now, I, I mentioned this before, that when it came to fishing, there was a certain time that was perfect for fishing. The time that Jesus told them to put out into the water, naturally speaking, wasn't a good time. It didn't make sense. But even, even, even that being said, Simon heard the instruction from, from Jesus. And his response was, we've worked all night, we've caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon obeyed the instruction from Jesus. And see, this scripture is one of many miracles in the Bible that are performed by Jesus. And the interesting thing about any time <coughs> in the Bible when Jesus performs a miracle, he will never perform a miracle without there being a specific purpose attached to it. And he would always use his miracles to illustrate godly principles. Now see, this particular miracle, it demonstrates or it teaches us what to do when you failed. It teaches us what to do when your best isn't good enough. 
the disciples, their best was to, was to attempt to fish at a particular time. They did what they were used to doing and they couldn't get any fish. But then what did they do? They invited Jesus into their situation. He gave them an instruction. The instruction didn't make any sense, but they obeyed the instruction. And through obeying the instruction, what happened? The Bible said they had so much fish that the, the boat that they used began to sink. That's the level of blessing that God will give to us if we are deliberate in aligning ourselves with his will. So my question to you this morning is, are you willing to do what Peter did? Are you willing to do what he did in order for the Lord to bless your affairs? And here's another thought about this, this story as well. Having Jesus in your in your life or in your situation, what it does is that it, it eliminates the fear of failure and it reduces your worry about the results. You know, when, when Peter made Jesus his partner in terms of fishing, we saw the results, they were incredible. But there's a sequence here which I don't want us to miss. The first part is this, is that Peter used his boat for Jesus' purposes. He used his boat for Jesus' purposes. He invited Jesus onto the boat. Then after that, Jesus blessed Peter's boat and used it to take care of all of Peter's needs. That's what happened. And this is summed up in this scripture that we've heard so many times in Matthew 6, 33, which is simply, seek first. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God first. In fact, I'll, I'll say it in the New, New Living Translation. To seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Everything you need when you begin to put the things of God, the kingdom of God first. This morning, I encourage you to do that, to get into the habit of seeking the things of God first. Luke 5, chapter 4. Jesus said this. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now see, if we say that we trust God, we need to be able to step out into the deep, just like the scripture says, concerning specific areas of our lives, and let him truly show that he is God. You know, God's plan for our lives, God's plan for your life, will always involve taking steps of faith. will involve taking risks but let's call them steps of faith because that, the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God he wants us to live by faith God wants us to live by faith the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please him so why do you think Jesus said to Peter launch into the deep Jesus gave Peter a challenge. Launch into the deep. And the reason why Peter uh, was given this challenge or Jesus gave the challenge to Jesus was because 
he knew that that's where the big fish were. The big fish, in order to receive them, he had to launch into the deep. But see, the big fish is, is, is symbolic. It, it represents the big breakthroughs. It represents the opportunities that were waiting for Peter. And the same with us. In our situation, the big fish represents breakthroughs that God has in store for us in our lives. The big fish represent opportunities that God has in store for us that are waiting for you, that have been handpicked by God himself. But see, unfortunately, a lot of us live out our lives in the shallow waters of life. You know, I remember when I was younger, I used to go fishing, go fishing, swimming, um, regularly, actually, when I was younger. Um, but I was always scared of the deep end, you know, um, I didn't have enough confidence to swim in the deep end. Um, eventually, um, I was able to sweep in the deep end. But initially, I was so scared to go in the deep end. You know, I would, I would swim, I would fluffing around, etc. Um, in the shallow end, and, you know, I'd be trying to sw swim, uh, but I'd be swimming really slowly. And I'd try maybe slowly to go over, over to the deep end. But the whole time, I'd be holding on to, to the railings. And, you know, I didn't have any confidence to go in the deep end um, by myself. But over time, eventually I did. But initially there was this fear of going into the deep end. Now see, unfortunately for some of us, we live aspects of our lives in the shallow end of fear and comfort. We're content to play around on the edge, similar to what I said. We'll hold on to the edge. We'll hold on to the comfort of, of areas of our lives that we're used to. But we don't want to get into the deeper waters. Why? Because it's safer to be in a shallow end. You know, sometimes, you know, we can think, oh, if I get into the deep water, I could drown, you know, and it's a, it's a legitimate concern. So then what we do is that we say to ourselves, I'll just stay in this comfortable position so that I'm safe. Now see, there's a time and a place for being in a position of comfort. There's a time and a place for being in a position where you're safe. But if as a child of God, if we want to live by faith, we have to recognize that safe is not part of the agenda. Living by faith means that we have to launch into the deep. It may mean that some people may misinterpret you. It may mean that uh, those close to you may, may uh, start to label you in a way that you don't like because you've now launched into the deep and you've come away from being safe. If that happens, then so be it but recognize that God wants you and I to live by faith in whatever it is that we're doing. And by living by faith, we are in a position where we are putting the plan that God has for us into flow. And God's plan for your life is a good plan and one that will work for your benefit if we allow him, uh, him to.
Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14, scripture that many of us know. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. See, when I was meditating on this word, I really feel that the Lord is saying this to, to many of us who are listening today. The Lord is saying this. He's saying, let me come into your boat. Remember, the boat represents your life. The Lord is saying this to so many of you concerning your life. Let me come into your boat. Let my presence be with you wherever you go. First in your commitment to advancing God's kingdom. Then your personal affairs, such as in your business, in your career, your family, your marriage, in every area. The Lord will say to you, let me direct you. Cooperate with my plan. This is what the Lord, I feel the Lord is saying. Cooperate with my plan and I will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Now see, if you receive this word, why not take him at his word today and launch out in faith? This is the reality right now, that there are people, there are souls in your circle right now that God has assigned to you specifically to reach, to be saved. And the only way that these individuals will be saved or know the Lord is through you. This is part of you launching out into the deep. I want to encourage you, get into the habit of standing on the promises of God. You know, have you trusted yourself before on some matters? So much so, only for it to fail miserably. It happens. It happens with the disciples. You know the story, they fished. They were so used to fishing and, 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 and being successful. But on that particular day when Jesus was there, it just didn't work. And they failed miserably. But on this occasion in Luke chapter 5, where they attempted to fish and it didn't work, and then Jesus came and gave them a, a word of encouragement, saying, launch into the deep. They obeyed, they responded. And by trusting God and by obeying his word, they received the blessing from the Lord. There's something about when we put our trust in God, trust in him, when we demonstrate to be deliberate and walking by faith. And then there's something about obeying instructions, but that when the Lord speaks and we obey what he says, there's a blessing, there are benefits that come from it. So when you embrace God's presence, when you recognize God's plans, 
and when you receive his promises in your heart, whatever situation that you're in, God will ensure that you will not fail. And this is regardless of your circumstances. Because maybe right now you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, you don't know my circumstances. It sounds all, you know, it sounds good. But my circumstances are unique. They're different. They don't really apply. If that's you, if you're feeling beaten by your circumstances, I'm telling you the cure is to look in God's word and allow the promises in God's word to bring you freedom and as you speak those promises and you start claiming them you will walk in freedom now let me give you an example Luke chapter 6 reading, for, reading verse 38 in New Living Translation it says give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Let me say it again. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I see, this is a promise from God, from his word. And I've said to you before, when you search the scriptures for God's promises, hold on to them. Meditate on them. Embrace them. Because it's God's promises that we need to hold on to. Because once God makes a promise, he doesn't hold back on it. See, the background to this scripture was given in the context of finance in terms of you give financially and you'll get back. But yet this is this scripture is a principle that can be applied generally. So what am I saying here? I'm saying start giving of yourself to advance God's kingdom first. To advance God's kingdom first. In other words, put the things of God first. Start doing so. And as you do so, just as the scripture says, he will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more and more, running over, poured into your lap. In other words, there's an overflow, there's a, there's a, there's a blessing that will come as you give, and as you put the things of God and, this, and the, 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 uh, the kingdom of God first, and you prioritize, God will bless you back in return. You see, just because you haven't solved your own problem doesn't mean that the solution doesn't exist. See, with God, breakthrough often comes at the point of failure. And it's after, just like the disciples, after you fished all night and caught nothing, just like the disciples, that's when God will step in. So right now, for some of you, God is saying to you, listen, don't give up. Try again. Whatever your situation is, don't give up. Involve the Lord in what you are doing. Try again. And as you involve him in what you're doing, the same way that they, the disciples were blessed with overflow, 
in terms of fish. It's the same way that the Lord, as you invite him into your situation, that he will bring a blessing and favor upon you as you put him and the, and the things of God's kingdom first. Now, there's a saying that goes that when you don't understand, you should trust God. Now, I want to encourage you this morning, whatever situation that you're in that you don't understand, to trust God. To still trust God. To still look to him and put him first. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says this, said the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. You know, as, as I was preparing for this word, it's a, it's a, um, it's a story that I, I kind of came across uh, that I'll very quickly explain. The story is of a, a woman in, in the US. Um, the woman's name is actually, it's called uh, Louisa Stead. Now, this woman married, um, I think they had two or three children. Now, on a particular day, their daughter, um, they all went away with the family to seaside. Their daughter um, was enjoying uh, swimming at the seaside. Um, uh, in fact, their daughter noticed that there was a, a, a young boy uh, struggling in the water. So Mr. Stead, the husband of uh, Louisa Stead, rushed to try and save uh, this young boy who was struggling. Now, as he jumped in the water, unfortunately, um, he began to struggle because the water was, uh, um, well, the water was, was, was troubled itself. So as he attempted to save this boy, lo and behold, unfortunately, the boy drowned, but also the husband drowned. And both uh, the woman and her daughter were on the shore, helpless, just watching uh, their husband drowning. And their husband went to attempt to try to save this young boy. But he drowned. And apparently in the days uh, of grief that followed, this woman, Louisa, began to uh, put pen to paper. And as a result, she wrote this hymn that some of you may, may know this hymn, some of you may not know this hymn. But there's a part in this hymn that demonstrates what I'm saying about trusting God. And she wrote this. It says, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to make him at his word, to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus says the Lord. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus savior and friend and i know that thou art with me will be with me till the end now this woman um she went on to be a missionary in south africa where she served the lord for you know 25 plus years now why am i sharing this situation why am i sharing this story we've looked at trusting god we've looked at obeying god and if you're struggling to trust God today, I want you to stand on scriptures that this woman also stand, stood on. 
I read the first one before in Nahum 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you will keep him in a perfect, in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Second Samuel 22, verse 31, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Psalm 31, 19 says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid upon those who fear you, which you have prepared to those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. The Lord will say to many of us right now, trust him. Trust him. And do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. I am your God. Isaiah 41, verse 10. See, I'm laboring on this one for, for a, a specific reason. Because there's trusting God. There's obeying God. But one of the things that would stop us, one of the things that the enemy deliberately puts in play to stop us from trusting God and from obeying God is fear. Fear will rob you of your creativity and your self-worth. The longer it lives inside of you, the stronger it grows. And see, the way fear works is that it's fertilized by words. Not just the words that others say to you, because those words at times can be, can be challenging. When people say things to you and fear grows because people have said things that are not nice. I'm not just talking about those words. But it's the words that at times that we say about ourselves. It's the words that you say about yourselves. It's those things, those words that help to fertilize the fear that the enemy wants to increase in you concerning your life and concerning some specific situations in your life. You know, when you tell yourself, you know, there's no way that I'm going to make this thing. There's no way that, you know, I'm going to achieve this. What you've done is that you've dented your armor. In, 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 in one sense, and you've undermined your effectiveness. But see, if you, if you let it fester when it comes to fear, it can affect you like a plague <coughs> and spread. And this is another danger of fear. But see, I believe that God is in, he wants to deliver every single one of us from the, the onslaught of fear that the enemy is trying to bring into our lives. But see, to overcome fear, the first thing we need to do is to identify it and expose it. Identify areas of your life where you know that there are, there's fear that is trying to stop you from achieving the things that God is waiting to give to you. You need to identify it. You need to expose it. Sometimes it will hide in your motives. Fear will hide in your motives, in the things that you do. It will come across or it will drape itself in 
you know, if maybe if you're overprotective, or maybe if you if you have little outbursts of anger or you're petty on certain things, or there's bits of jealousy or there's boasting and all those kind of things. Fear will play out sometimes in those characteristics. And because it doesn't reveal itself as fear in that way, you overlook it. And you reason within yourself to think that oh, I not fear. It's just, it's just one of those things. I'm just, you know, it's just one of those things. But no. So when you're fearful, what should you do? There's one guaranteed course of action. The Lord is saying to you, stand up for whatever fear that's there and give your fear to God. Give it to him. You know, there's an exchange. There's a free and one exchange that takes place when you give your fear to God. The first exchange is that you give your fear to him. After that, he replaces that fear with three things. Number one, his power. Number two, his love. Number three, a sound mind. It's all in scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. That God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So when you give your fear to God, in your heart, you've given it to him. You say, Lord, you know what? I've recognized that fear in these areas of my life has been stopping me from making progress. It's been stopping me from doing the things that I know that I should do. It's been stopping me from advancing your kingdom. It's been stopping me from seeking first the things of your kingdom. But I recognize now that, you know, I don't want this in my life anymore. So Lord, I give this fear to you. As you give it to him, as I said before, God will give back to you his power. His power for you to overcome and to achieve all the things that you want that he wants you to do. His love that covers all. The Bible says that love conquers all. God will give you his love in return. And then number three, a sound mind, a mind of peace, a mind of tranquility. Where before you were worrying about this, that, the other, your mind was never at peace about any situation. God has now exchanged and removed that fear and given you a sound mind. This is the exchange that God wants us to, to be uh, participants of. Isaiah 41 10. I think I said this before. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, in this scripture, God's right hand, it, it, it demonstrates God's willingness and power to work on your behalf. God's right hand speaks of his authority. And it says that he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. God wants to uphold every single one of us. Two chapters later in Isaiah 41, it says this. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name and you are mine. The Lord would say to you, you are mine. 
So tell him in return, Lord, I am also, I'm yours. And see, and by default, whatever God owns, God will take care of. We are children of God. God owns us. And as we're in a position to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, he will make sure that he will take care of the things in our lives. But it starts with us choosing to trust him, choosing to obey when he speaks, choosing to launch out into the deep, choosing to uh, obey and recognize that when God gives an instruction about something, even though the instruction may not seem like a very nice one, as we obey him and as we put him first, that the blessings that will come from it, we will be the ones to benefit from it. Amen. I want us to pray right now. I've said a lot of things this morning. I want to quickly pray. I want to pray for some of us who, and I sensed this whilst I was preparing this word, you know, some of us who have gotten into a, a habit of making life decisions without consulting God. You are consistently making decisions in your life and you're not consulting him. What you're doing is that you're making a decision and once you've made it, you're kind of expecting God to now bless it afterwards because you've made that decision. And that's not how God works. The Lord is saying to you in that situation that you need to repent and you need to realign yourself concerning putting God first consulting him before you go ahead and make these decisions. But if you continue, you will end up regretting the decision that you, you, you made. If that's you right now, I just want to pray with you. Making decisions without consulting God. Just lift your hand if that's you, where you are. And I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, right now you see the hands that are raised. On behalf of God of your children, where we have been make, living our lives, where we have been consistently making decisions without consulting you, where we have done things and lived our lives in a way where we have not involved you, but then we have come to you and expected you to bless the decision that we have made without consulting you first. Father, I pray for your forgiveness. You see those of us, oh God, with our hands raised, and I pray, oh God, that Lord, that you would, from this moment onwards, that you would give us a renewed heart and a renewed mind to consult you, to involve you, to invite you in every decision that we make so that you will lead us and direct us in what we are doing. I pray, oh God, for your mercy to be upon us and that, Lord, right now you will intervene and that from this moment onwards, that as we involve you and as we consult you in our lives, 
that Lord, that you will direct every step that we take. So that Lord, that your direction and guidance, Lord, is uh, our portion. So we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I also want to pray for those who recognize that they need to, they need to change and adapt their ways to live according to God's will. Again, if that's you, just raise your hands. I'm praying for those who recognize that they need to adapt, they need to change and adjust aspects of their lives in order to live according to God's will, in order to now be in a position where your life is aligned to God's will. Again, I want to pray with you. Father, I lift up these ones before you this morning. And I pray that, Lord, that you will help each and every one of us right now, Lord God, to change areas of our lives that have been outside of your will, that we will now put them in line with your will. Help us, Heavenly Father God, to live according to the will that comes from your word, to live according to the direction from your Holy Spirit. Show us, Heavenly Father God, I pray, even as we have read these scriptures and we have heard this word, I pray that, Lord God, that you will help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live according to your will, to adjust our lives to live according to your will. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Finally, I want to pray for those who are struggling with fear. As I mentioned, fear at the end. You know that there are elements in your life where fear has stopped you from doing the things that you know that God wants you to do. Again, if that's you, just lift your hands. I want to pray with you. Father, I lift up before you those who are struggling with fear. Your word clearly says that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that Lord, those who have been battling and wrestling with fear in their lives, right now that you would deliver them and set them free. I come against every hold of fear concerning their lives. Every door of fear that has been opened, every seed of fear that has been sown in their hearts, I come against it in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will deliver each and every person, that we will make that exchange. We give that fear to you, that you replace that fear with your power, with your love, and with a sound mind, a mind of peace, in the name of Jesus. Father, touch your children this day. Cause us to walk, oh God, by faith, not by sight. Cause us, oh God, to, to remove from every element of fear and to embrace the power, love, and the sound mind that comes from your word. So, Lord, thank you. Pray, have your way in the name of Jesus. Amen.